Hello everyone and welcome to the EFL Fantasy Podcast. My name is Angus. And my name is Dan. And, uh, well, at least for this pod, it's not really about fantasy football. Uh, we are here to, um, we'll, we'll briefly recap what happened leading to the uh, playoffs in terms of the Game Week 46 games. And then we will get into previewing the games. Um, do do our sort of predictions and uh yeah that'll be about it um hopefully sort of a shorter uh podcast that you'll be able to listen to before this weekend's first legs um but that shouldn't necessarily age out completely if you do happen to end up listening <laughs> slightly later um so yeah so uh we'll just jump straight in i think to the game week 46 sort of what got us here um so we're going to focus on some of the main games. Um, obviously, the three main games I briefly touch on because they, I think they were brief. They were in the playoffs at one point, which was West Brom. Uh, when they were ahead against Swansea, they ended up losing. So for the purposes of this conversation, they're largely irrelevant. Um, but the three games we're going to talk about it are uh, Borough one, Coventry one, uh, Millwall three, Blackburn four. And Preston nil, Sunderland three. Um, is there any of these you particularly want to start with, Dan? Shall we get Borough Coventry out of the way? Because we're going yeah, to talk about them so. afterwards anyway. Um, so Borough, so Coventry obviously went ahead. Coventry basically just needed a point from this game to be in. Um, well, they did just need a point from this game to be in. Like, they, they couldn't get caught if they got a point. Uh, they obviously took the lead. Cameron Archer scored right before half time. Um, and then, you know, it sort of ended up one all, uh, staying there. So that these two have now set up um, a playoff semi final against each other. Um, if Borough had got one more goal, obviously Coventry would have finished sixth. Um, there was at one point when Millwall were winning, where one goal would have knocked Borough out, would have knocked Coventry out of the playoffs altogether. But uh, they've ended up in fifth against Middlesbrough. Um, in terms of this game in particular, obviously we're going to cover these two in terms of the actual matchup. But this game in particular, was there anything you wanted to cover from it, Dan? Probably the the main news was that Borough went quite strong. They'd been mixing and matching their lineups, but. Um... And result-wise, they they obviously lost the the two previous games going into this. So I think, although Carrick has been didn't seem to be bothered about m- momentum, I think he he definitely didn't want to go into it losing, especially with the high chance of playing commentary again. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure you're going to learn too much from this match. Um, Going into into the actual playoffs, um, but yeah, it's Coventry. I thought I always thought Coventry would just about do enough because I always thought they would score. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get on to this game a bit later on when when we talk about the playoffs. Yeah, um, so we'll get into the the two the two main events of the. Um, of the the sort of the Monday games, um, which one do you want to start with? 
Well, probably the bonkers one, shall we? I don't know. Oh, I mean, which it... one is that? <laughs> oh, it's got to be the Millwall game. Oh. Um... It, was, it, was, it was so weird because I was at the Lewin game and Lewin had rested eight players yeah. and it, it was like such a, a terrible end of season game. And I got <clears throat> the um, flash, flash score on and all the goals are going in. And at half time, you're thinking, Millwall three one up. There's no way they're yeah. going to let this slip because Millwall don't normally. One thing is they're resolute, but I said to my my dad who was at the game, I said if Millwall gets through, they've got to get through the first five ten minutes and they'll cruise this. They'll probably win it four five one, um, but they didn't do that, and um, they just seemed to let um, Blackburn get it get back in and they're quite deep. I think they've improved um, attacking wise, especially the last 10 or so games, Blackburn um, at the start of the season, they, they were massively outperforming their XG. Whereas towards the end of the season, I actually think they've been quite unlucky to not win more games. And you could probably argue they should have got, got in the playoffs really. No, <laughs> you're not having it, Angus. But they, um, they were like an average team for the majority of the season. You don't get to finish well and say you should have been in the playoffs. That's true. <laughs> but um, we've mentioned ranking Constello a lot, yeah. and he he popped up. Um, there's some talk about him maybe moving into midfield next year, which would be interesting. Um, and then Brewin Diaz got, got a brace, which doesn't really mean anything. He's, he's leaving and everyone knew he was leaving. Yeah. But it, I guess it was quite nice for him to go out scoring a couple of goals. But because I, I think they, they didn't quite know that Sunderland were winning either from what I gather. No, they, th- they thought they, they had a shot. Um Yeah. Which you know is probably giving themselves a bit too much sort of like credit, but they they clearly thought they had a shot. Um, yeah, I I will say even though this was on TV, almost better than watching the game was what was watching Paul Merson on Soccer Special watching this game. Like it was it was great it was one of these things where it's everything you want in terms of he was just shouting like there were goals there were like you know goal line clearances and like he was getting overexcited about all of it and then he would have to like explain what had happened and it was it was it was almost just this this incredible experience in and of itself just watching Paul Merson watch this game um and then it became clear like it was the only game that actually sort of mattered in terms of like it, it affected the outcome. So I went on to it like you know once Sunderland were ahead, um, the only thing that mattered was whether Millwall could sort of you know get anything from the game. Um, just incredible to be three one up at half time at home. Um, from a gaffer point of view, the fact that they'd scored three goals and neither Bradshaw nor Fleming were involved in any of them was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, there but yes, in the double game week. Yeah, but three one. I mean, Duncan Watmore scores twice for you, and you don't win a game. Like that's that's incredible in and of itself. 
Um, as you said, ranking Costello, I think he could move back further up the pitch. Like he, he's previously been sort of, I think he, coming through, I think they said he was a midfielder. He first broke through as a winger. So it makes sense for him to play further forward, I think, um, based on where, you know, where his strengths are. Um, but obviously he scored. And then I, I just, I just appreciate the, like, the fact that Brereton Diaz wasn't really scoring to achieve anything for Blackburn. Um, he just decided to sabotage Millwall. Uh, <laughs> um, and after, I think it was the fourth goal, he nearly scored again. Um, that was the most incredible part. Uh, after the fourth goal, you still felt more likely that Blackburn were going to score again. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it's quite spectacular from Millwall, really. Um be interesting to see how they sort of bounce back from this. Well, um, I'm a bit worried. I think if Rowett doesn't start well, I think he'll be gone. Because obviously, like, you know, playoffs would have been an incredible achievement just to get in the playoffs. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, then it wouldn't have mattered. But pl- playoffs, getting in the playoffs would have been a great season for them. And obviously to have missed out the way they had did it on the final day. Um. You know, whether not, that carries over at all, I'm not sure. It's um, not just the final get game, Angus. Their last four fixtures were Birmingham, Wigan, Blackpool, and obviously Blackburn, and they were three points in the playoffs. Yeah, they yeah, should, but, they should but have when got you're, You could say that as well, but when you're comfortably in the playoffs with 45 minutes left of the season... <laughs> And that happens. 45 minutes left of the season at home. And that happens. Uh, You know, it kind of does boil down to the final game. Like, yes, you're right about the other games. But it kind of does just boil down to the final game when you're in the playoffs with 45 minutes to go. And, like, well in the playoffs with 45 minutes to go of the season. Um, Blackburn, yeah, I like I say, I I take your point. They, They were an average team for most of the season, so I don't think... They deserve to be in the playoffs, but they showed more positive signs late in the season. And losing Brereton Diaz will obviously hurt because he's one of the sort of real quality players they've got. But uh, they're a team that, for example, I'm I'm now interested to see what they do this summer. Um, I think that they've they've started shaping a, a good team there. And I'm interested to see what they strikers, add to it. So. They need a couple of strikers. Yeah. That's what's cost them, really. Yeah. The, like, you think about how much of this season they had to play Sam Gallagher. I was waiting for that. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not having it. Like, Sam Gallagher, it's uh, it's just not right. And, uh, and then when they, it was better when they were doing things like playing Tyrese Dolan as sort of nominally through the middle, but you need an actual sort of goal scorer there. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do, but there, there are some potentially interesting options around. Um, so I think they're, they're interestingly positioned. They, they needed a massive goal difference swing to actually get in themselves. But what they've ended up doing is, is sabotaging Millwall, which some people will be happy about. Some people won't. Um, but obviously the main people that will be happy is Sunderland fans. Um, because they're the ones who, who benefit from, uh, Blackburn's win with obviously a, a big win 
against Preston themselves. Um, I think for the majority of the first half, particularly the early part of the first half, Preston were absolutely battering Sunderland. Um, and it was sort of like, you know, oh God, you know, this is just going to sort of drift to an inevitable conclusion. You know, particularly with Millwall winning, Sunderland drawing, you know, Coventry drawing, it was just like, oh, here we go. Um, and then sort of they, they really kicked it into gear in about a, 15 minute period in the second half um where obviously they got the three goals from uh diallo pritchard and clark and yeah obviously it's it's incredible for them um massive turnaround in that game and just you know very young team obviously we've talked about very exciting team um you know Particularly that second half, having gone in, I think, like not behind, having not sort of, you know, conceded, they probably sort of thought, you know, right, well, we've we've sort of got through that with just about, um, you know, let's go out and make the most of it. And they really did. Um, I don't know if you have anything in particular on this game, Dan. I also wonder if with the results as they were, I wonder if Sunderland relaxed, um, thinking they probably weren't going to make it, and then they were able to just play freely and get the goals pretty early. Yeah, quite possibly. I think because you're vaguely aware at that point of what's sort of happening, what the what's going on elsewhere, and everything. And you know, if not, someone's probably made you aware of it. You hear Millwall are up comfortably, and it's like you say, there probably is an element of that freedom. Um, but yeah, they did their part, and Blackburn obviously did them the favour, and um, they're in, they're in. So uh, I suppose we should sort of just briefly explain, uh, or briefly sort of clarify for those. Well, for the context of the podcast, most people listening to this know what's happened. Um, but the playoffs now will be Luton against Sunderland, and Middlesbrough against Coventry. Um, I think the first game this weekend is it is it the Luton first leg down? Yeah, it's Sunderland, Sunderland, Luton, obviously, because Sunderland finished sixth. They they put the home leg first. Yeah. So that's five thirty on Saturday, and then Coventry Middlesbrough is twelve o'clock on uh, Sunday, um, which is quite convenient for me because the Arsenal game is at four thirty, which means I'll get to watch that. So. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking about myself, really, at that point. <laughs> but yeah, so um, we'll, we'll dig into these games a little bit. Um, so in terms of what we're going to do here, uh, Dan's going to talk to you uh, a little bit uh, through the two teams in the Luton uh, Sunderland. Or no, I've misread that. The team each. Yeah, team <laughs> each tie. Sorry, I, I misread briefly. I knew and then I misread. So we're going to uh, talk through a team each in each tie. So Dan's going to talk to you about Luton and then talk to you about Coventry. From the other tie, I'm going to talk about Sunderland from the first tie and then about, about Middlesbrough. Um, so Dan, if you want to start us off on, on Luton, um, obviously with that being the first tie playing as well. Yeah, so um, Luton, obviously second year making the playoffs. Um, 
last season we we sort of limped in uh, mainly down to we had a lot of injuries um Adebayo, Pelly <clears throat> and then you had Bree playing through through injury um but we we've come in on really good form we're uh, unbeaten in 14 one defeat in 20 and that defeat was against Bernie um, which was 1-0 and, and a penalty. Um, I think we've got, like I mentioned, we've we've practically got a, a fully fit squad. Um, the only player definitely out is uh, Courtney Woodrow, who is expected to, to maybe be back for the, the playoff final if we get there. Um, we, we rested most of our starting 11 I'd probably say maybe only two or three played against Hull um <clears throat> we were able to give minutes to uh Gabe Osho, Reese Burke um and Clark who had sort of making their way back from injury so um we're in a decent position um I would expect us to line up with uh, Horvath in goal, uh, Osho, Brad, uh, Osho, Lockyer, Bell as the three centre backs, Drame and Dalti as the wing backs, um, with probably Nakamba, Pelly, and Clark. Although that that could be Campbell, uh, depending if we want Campbell's energy rather than Clark's creativity, and then Morrison Adebayo up, up front. Um, I'm, f- I'm feeling pr- pretty confident about the game. Um, maybe not from a single leg, but over the two legs, um, playing um, three hours of football. Like, we're, we're a team that doesn't lose very many matches in I just think we'll probably have the edge. We've got more ways of winning a game. We can grind a game out. Or we can create goals through Morris or Adebayo. Um, yeah, the ma- main thing is I'm feeling pretty confident. Our, our wave form is the second best in the league. Um, and our home form, although it's the ninth best in the league, since Edwards has come in, um, that's dramatically improved. We've won eight out of the 12 games, only losing two. Uh, that was, um, like I said, one was against Burnley and the other one was West Brom. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident. Um, do you want to ask anything about Lou and Angus? Um no, I, th- I think there's there's a lot that was covered there. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure there's there's much left sort of almost to the imagination. Um, like you said, I think it's probably fairly evident, barring may- maybe like one or two spots, w- what Luton are going to do as well. Uh, not in a negative way, just in a sort of like, no, you know, yeah. we, we know at this point. Um, so, yeah, so I don't have much to sort of, you know, that, that you haven't already covered. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll cover sort of Sunderland a little bit. Um, obviously, 
I I haven't delved back into their sort of last results or anything. Um, the real story with them is uh, well, there's there's two stories. Obviously, the attacking talent that we've talked about all season. Um, Gelhart almost less so, but that three in behind of um, Roberts, uh, Diallo, and Clark. Um, and I think that's that's a real key if they're going to stand any chance. Um, is is those three um, sort of they're they're going to be central to whatever uh, they do, and you know the the ability they have sort of running at players and um, particularly in numbers, you know can can hurt teams, um, and so I think you know maybe uh, it's possible that Luton well I think Luton are more likely to edge Sunderland over two legs. I think in a one-off game, it's the sort of you know, attack that could give them a real chance. Um, the thing that I think might hold Sunderland back is that they're out of centre-backs. Um, so obviously we, we know all about their injury issues, particularly at the centre-back position. And, um, you know, I think it will probably be the same lineup as they played against Preston, uh, which had Trey Hume and Luke O'Neill playing at centre-back. So obviously you've got a right-back and a centre mid playing at centre back, which is obviously not ideal. It's not sort of the worst in terms of emergency centre backs, although I do think, you know, probably the worst team to go up against in terms of exploiting when you're not playing real centre backs, in terms of, you know, those two up against Morris and Adebayo. Um, I was saying in our chat that I think actually, you know, I. Obviously, Sunderland have lots of ability going the other way, but you've got three teams in the playoffs that would be sort of quite well suited to taking advantage of that in terms of you've got Morris and Adebayo at Luton, you've got um, Archer and Akpom at Middlesbrough, and you've got uh, Jokeres and Godden at um, Coventry. So I think, unfortunately for Sunderland, I think that could be too much of an Achilles heel. Um, we'll see, because like I say, they're they've got that sort of ability going the other way that can probably keep them in any game. It's just whether they how much they can do and whether they can do quite enough at the back where they're piecing it together increasingly. Um, I think it will probably be a very similar lineup. I know they've got a couple of fitness concerns over Gooch and Sirkin, but I think if they can play particularly the first leg, they'll probably try and get them through it. Um, it's, I think, a very small chance that, for example, Dan Ballard could be back for the second leg, but I think it's more likely that if we see him, it would be if they got to the final. Um, so it would be, obviously, Patterson and Goal, Gooch, Hume, O'Neill and Serkin. Probably Dan Neal and Pierre Equa in midfield. Um, that's obviously changed a little bit. Neal will be in there. Um, the other midfielder has changed a little bit. I think it will probably be Equa. Um, I think it'll have to be just just his his strength and his ability to get around the pitch against uh, Lewin's midfield, especially Nakamba and Pelly Rudder. Yeah, and then I think think the front four, obviously you could put Pritchard in the team, but I think the front four, at least to start the first game, will be Roberts, Diallo and Clark behind Gil Hart. Um, Do you think they won't want Pritchard's experience? I don't think so. 
Um, I think they'll just favour sort of you know what those what those guys can give them um, in attack, and you don't really want to put Pritchard in a double pivot in midfield. So I think they'll go with that sort of particular. I think particularly the first leg. Um, I think they'll go with the with the attacking guys, um, try and capitalise on sort of the atmosphere and the the positivity and everything, and you know really go for it because I think that's probably their best chance is to go for it in the first leg um, and then see where they are from there. Um, so I think that that probably leads me to think that they'll go with the extra sort of, you know, out and out attacker. Um, but there's certainly a chance that they put Pritchard in there. I just think they'll go, they'll go that way with it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I think they're one of the more exciting teams in there. They're obviously sort of the, the, the youngest team. Um, and so, you know, that might also affect them a little bit. It's where I, I do understand talking about the likes of Pritchard who have that extra sort of bit of experience. But um, it might it might end up like I think they have a chance, but I think it might just end up being uh, too much too soon for this team. But um, I certainly wouldn't rule them out. Um, but I think it, it's it's. Uh, Obviously, we will be doing predictions later, but I do think it might just end up, particularly with the lack of centre-backs, um, being too much too soon for this team. But um, certainly a worthy addition to the playoff field. That's that's what I would uh, be very keen to add. To be honest, as a neutral, I'd be pretty excited about the, the four teams in the playoffs, yeah. especially when you don't have like a Norwich or a Watford or a West Brom, you've got four exciting teams and definitely Middlesbrough, um, Sunderland and Coventry are, are going to attack. Luna are a bit more evenly balanced, probably all round more likely to grind a game out. Um, but yeah, like I said, if, if Luton weren't in it, I'd, I'd be looking forward to... Well, all of the games, to be honest. Yeah, and I think that's that's the key. Is like there's a the lot of sort of you know potential joy for the neutrals, um, and a re- really interesting field. I've been talking about how how interesting I think this field is. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. But we'll move on to the second game now, um, which is uh, obviously uh, Coventry against Middlesbrough. Uh, so, Dan, if you want to start us off uh, with uh, Coventry. Yeah, so Coventry, what an uh, eventful season. Obviously started the season with all the problems with their, their ground and not being able to play home games. Um, so they, they fell behind, mainly due to getting rhythm, like playing constantly and then having to play away numerous times before you can play at home is an ideal. So we we saw them um, struggling. Well, they were bottom. And I think if you asked any Coventry fan, 10 games gone, I think most of them would just have been happy to stay up. But they've managed to climb, climb the table. And that's a lot of credit's got to go to Robbins, um, when he was initially announced as one of the managers of the season, I think it surprised a few people. Um, but now he now he's got into the playoffs, so I think that 
he's definitely worthy of of that praise and um going into the actual team you've got two key players which have I don't like to say carry but they're definitely two of the best players in the league and that's Victor Jokeres who I personally believe has been the best player in the league um and then you've you've got Hamer who since they've moved him a bit further forward that is really showing his his set of skills his ability to get more box to box get him into positions to create but also um we've seen throughout the last couple of seasons how good he is at long range shooting and he's now getting in more positions to be able to show his those those skills um for the lineup i think it it's going to be um wilson in goal um they'll play a back three of mcnally who's been a very good signing since they got him on loan in january um doyle another loan signing who's been there all season from man c and then probably one of the most underrated defenders is actually carl mcfadson um he saw his experience sort of holds this team all together, especially defensively. I think they'll go with Bidwell and Norton Cuffey as, as the wing backs. Obviously they've been changing them constantly, but I think those two are the most reliable. Um and then in centre mid, um Josh Eccles I think will start with Hamer and I'm not sure if Sheaf is available. Um, if not, they'll play Kelly. And then up front, I think it'll, they'll go with two up front, especially with it being at home. So Victor will play up front with Gordon. And um, Gordon is such a good finisher around the box. Probably a better finisher than Jokeres. Um but just Jokeres's overall game, his ability to run the channels, his ability to hold the ball up. Um, like I mentioned, he's, he's the best striker in the league for me. Um, and I, th- I think this Coventry side is is probably suited to to play in Middlesbrough, um, especially with Middlesbrough's weaknesses. It, in defence, we've seen it all season. They'll give you one or two big chances a game. And I don't even think Coventry are going to attack with that many players. They'll probably only attack with Hamer, God and Jokeres. But when they do, they'll commit numbers forward, especially those three. Um, interestingly, they've been quite good at home against the top sides. Um, and they'll be at home to start with. So I wonder if, if they can maybe sneak a, a lead, whether they they can hold on um, and maybe grind out a, a result away at Burris. Um Anything else, Angus? Um, I think there's a, it will tell us a little bit, particularly in the first leg. Um, it seem, I know it seems a bit of a niche one, but about who's playing right wing back. 
because I think if if Norton Coffey is playing right wing back, that's a bit more of a statement of intent because he is much better going forward, not as good defensively. Um, so that at least, like, it's not saying, oh yeah, they're going to go all out attack, but there's a little bit more of a front foot element if he plays. Whereas if they play someone like Dabo, who's much more of a defensive player and a much more solid defensive player. Um, then, you know, it's not that they're not going to attack, but they're not necessarily going to attack in as many numbers. They're going to look to sort of, you know, obviously, you know, take advantage of the chances they create. Um, so I think you know, that's one of those positions that could actually tell us quite a bit. I, I personally think they've got to go for it at home. Yeah, I think so. But just sort of like looking for those yeah. sorts of indications in terms of what they do with the lineup. Um, well, it's it's the same thing. They could play Jamie Allen, yeah, and not play Godden, and sort of play two Hamer and Allen behind um, Jokeres. So, yeah, it, like I said, it, it, I'm really intrigued by this match. We've been discussing in our chat that Middlesbrough, I fancied to be probably a lot of the sides that could have got in it, or, or even sides in it. But Coventry are one of the ones that I think is a bad matchup for Borough. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things, particularly when you have, for me, two, well, at least two, Premier League quality players. I think, to me, there's no doubt that Gustavo Harmer and Victor Jokerez are Premier League quality players. Yeah. And when you have players like that, you know, you can like, you can always make some noise you can always do some damage um in the playoffs um and i think you know when those guys have been performing so well as well um that does help um i think personally um because i know people get touchy about these sorts of uh conversations personally i think they've got the best manager in the playoffs which you know might be a small edge um what robins yeah I think I'd probably have to, just because of his experience. Yeah. I know Mowbray's but he's done it in a lot of circumstances. I'd probably agree with that. Um, and so it's just sort of like, I don't want to get into one of these conversations about ranking the playoff managers. I'm not I'm not playing that game. Um, but I do think well, that... Carrick, Carrick would be bottom. <laughs> but I do think it's something that, that could help them out a little bit as well. Um so, so that's just something else with them, but yeah, I do think that um, they could they could do they could I mean they could go all the way quite easily. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they if they to would, be honest, any of the yeah, four, yeah, I can see go. That's that's what's so good about yeah. this set of them. Um, you know, either way, for example, we're seeing the last of um, Yokerez at this level. Um, probably the last of Harmer at this level as well. Um, so I think that'll be that'll be interesting and uh, probably quite enjoyable, as you say. Um, in terms of the, the other side of this with Middlesbrough, um, as you said, their, their form has been a little bit patchy. Um, I think once they lost the game to Luton, uh, they just decided that like they were going to sort of, you know, rotate some of the guys. A couple of the guys hadn't really had a break or anything so um they were like okay let's just get to the playoffs in decent sort of shape and everything 
um, that I think was probably made worse when they got a couple of injuries where it sort of it sort of then made it clearer to them like right we need to be aware of this because we can't afford sort of any more injuries so when you then saw the likes of Akpom getting a break and where I'm not necessarily sure that he would have but once they started getting two three four injuries it's sort of like okay you know we need to be more careful now um I think there's there's you know Carrick has suggested obviously that the the four that are injured at this moment it sounds like Johnny Howson will be back the four that have been out sort of for a more prolonged period um or no he might be the other one because uh, there's um Oops. Fry Ramsey and Fours I think the other one's Howson Clark is still going to be out um, yeah. But yeah, so Howson was the other one. I know I'd, I knew I'd seen four injured players. So it'd be Howson, Fours, Ramsey, and Fry. Carrick suggested that a couple of them might be back, but he's been sort of doing this very sort of, you know, cautiously and not wanting to give anything away and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, if I had to guess, uh, particularly for the first leg, I don't think any of them are going to be back. Um I think they'll probably go in and play the same team they did on the final day. The one change could be Johnny Housen in. Um, as much as Johnny Housen brings experience and is a good player and everything, I don't think it would be the worst thing for them uh, if he if he wasn't available. Um, I do think they, for example, they move things slightly quicker when he's not in the team. I think he does improve some other elements, but I think they move the ball slightly quicker when he's not in the team, which could be key against this Coventry team because you have to make the most of any opportunity to sort of stretch them or catch them out of position or anything like that. Um, so I think it will probably be, well, it'll be Stefan in goal. Um, I think it'll be Smith, McNair, Lenahan and Giles at the back. Um, Hackney and Mowat in midfield, Jones, Akpom and McGree behind uh, Archer. Um, we were talking earlier today, I think it was, uh, Ramsey's obviously been named in the England Under-20 World Cup squad, which is starting later in, I think at the end of May or late in May. Um, I think it's before the final. Yeah, although Carrick did confirm that if they get through to the final... And he and assuming he's fit, Ramsey would stay with them for that and then go. Um, so, you know, that would suggest that he's close. Um, the others, I'm not sure. I think Fours is the one they could do without the easiest, just because of how well Isaiah Jones has done since he came back into the team. Um, another one to mention in terms of how well he's done since coming into the team is Alex Mowat. Uh, we've spoken, you know, numerous times about how he should have played more this season, um, but he's done very well since he came into the team, and I think, you know, he could be, you know, really solid player for them um, in this. And I think, you know, what he gives the team um, in terms of the, well, both the passing range and sort of the, the the tackling and everything in the in the midfield, I think, is something they're gonna they're gonna potentially need against uh, that Coventry midfield. Um, and so I do think that, you know, he could well be um, an important inclusion. But the real thing for them is is about the attack. It's about, you know, I mean, mentioned Jones, Akpom and Archer, obviously the headliners. Um, and can they get the job done against Coventry? I think, you know, particularly directly through the middle, 
they they struggle a little bit with movement. Um, I think that's one thing we've you talked up McFads in one thing he does struggle with a little bit is it particularly if yeah. someone gets running at him. Um, and so I think as much as possible, you know, particularly Archer will probably be tr- attempting to to isolate him um, in the way in sort of how he moves and you know making his runs and everything. So I think it'll be interesting to see because I think they will look to target him in particular. So it'd be interesting to see how they go about that. Um, and yeah, I, you know, we we all want to see how well they do um, in terms of the the attack um, because, like you say, I do think they'll they'll give up the the odd sort of good chance defensively. So it will really ride on on how much they can get the job done in attack. I think we've seen this season they're the team, even against a good team like Coventry, they're the team of the four left that have the biggest chance of just going and putting four or five past a team. Um, even a team as good as Coventry, they're the one team, they're the, or they're the, the, the team you most look at and say, yeah, they're the one that could win a tie in one leg. Um, and so, um, like, for example, we're recording on Friday night, the final whistle's just gone, I think, on 4-0, Peterborough against Sheffield, United, Sheffield Wednesday even. Uh, I'm a bit worried now. Yeah, like Middlesbrough are the the most likely team to do that in a leg, and so I think that's that's the big thing with them, is that like I don't I don't think I've seen many games involving Middlesbrough this season that have been boring. You know, there's there's always even when it's been a bit cagier, there's always been you know something threatening to happen. And so I think that that also helps sort of the watchability as a neutral is sort of like their games don't tend to be boring. Um, so I'm quite looking forward to it from that element as well. Um, obviously, as has been documented over multiple seasons now, I do have a little bit of a soft spot for Middlesbrough, but um, I, I have a lot of time for Coventry as well. Um, there's there's no one in this playoff field I particularly dislike either. So it's sort of like, from a neutral point of view, it really is sort of, you know, particularly as you can talk yourself into a positive story with any of them getting promoted yeah. as well, which I think I, I think does help. Um, I know I've talked quite a bit about uh, Borough. I don't know if there's anything you have to, to add on them, Dan. I think the key thing might be is um, Coventry's ability, can they play you through the lines? You've mentioned whether Halson or, or Hackney or or Mowit is can they get Hamer the other side of those two sort of outnumbering the yeah. defenders running at Lenahan or or um McNair or even we've seen Victor like to pull out to the left on Tommy Smith that that could be a problem because we know Jones is just going to bomb forward yeah so it's really going to be I think. We're talking about the attack. I actually think the defense is going to win. The defenses will win this game. Yeah. If, if, if yeah, far I think as it, defense it, is yeah, whoever does that sort of job better, where it's like, who you know can whichever one like you know slows down the other attack better. Yeah, I think is probably the decider. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think they're really interesting. Um, I think there's there's lots to look out for. Um, there's there's sort of lots of players to watch, both in terms of you know the playoffs now and you know not even necessarily just for the championship next season, but for the Premier League next season because I think there's there's quite a few players involved that one way or another will be playing in the Premier League next season. Yeah. Um, which helps because you know that means that the quality should be should be good in these ties. I mean, I'm not expecting necessarily a high quality final because uh, playoff finals very rarely are, are particularly good games, um, especially the championship yeah. ones. So I'm not, I'm not, but like, you know, it might just be good because of the quality involved. Um, so we'll just round out uh, briefly by doing some predictions. Um, I think we have quite similar predictions, so uh, uh, it uh, it might be um, a little bit dull from that perspective. And uh, if fans from the teams that we don't pick want to get offended um, that we haven't picked them, then by all means do so. I will not be engaging in a debate with you about why your team is actually going to prove me wrong, because I will say this now. I would not be surprised if anyone proves me wrong in this. Um, so yeah, so we'll start off with the uh, semi-finals and then um, the final as well. But um, in terms of the semi-finals, Dan, who do you think would be the the two winners? So in the Sunderland Lewin, edging Lewin. Um, I know this is going to be called bias, but. I've honestly thought about it and I, I can't, I just can't get over the fact of if Sunderland don't have any defenders against Morris and Adebayo, there's also, we've seen them recently struggle to defend set pieces and you've got Lockyer, you've got Bradley could be playing, he's over six foot. Even then you've still got someone like Gosho who's, it's just the size difference which means Lewin don't even have to play that well and it can just be a set piece could win them the game Um, and everyone's going on about Sunderland's unbeaten record and it's it's good it's nine games but like I mentioned earlier Lewin the 14 games they've only lost once and that's but they're basically nearly gone up half a season and only losing one game so we're just hard to beat and over two legs I just think Luton will edge it also got experienced so I'm not going to say it's going to be a hammering I can like I wouldn't even be surprised if it goes to extra time and penalties and things like that but I think Luton will ground it out um what would what, what's your opinion on that one um I think Luton will win. Um, I know I sort of said that I think Sunderland could could do well, particularly with the attack. I think, as, as you said, I think the the lack of centre backs against Luton strikers worries me, and I think I just think Luton will edge it over two legs. I think if it was a one-off game, I might actually be inclined to pick Sunderland. Um, yeah, I think I over two that. legs, I think Luton will just have enough, um, particularly based on the solidity and um, potential ability to 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 limit uh, Sunderland's attack or 
you know match Sunderland's attack with what what has been a a, a pretty good defence throughout the season or a good defence throughout the season um, could be or, or will be key for them. Um, so yeah, so I think I'm I'm sort of edging Luton. I want to pick something in, more interesting, but and as I say, um, I'd not I wouldn't be at all surprised if it goes the other way, particularly yeah. because of that. Um, attacking talent, but I, I'm just giving the edge to uh, to Luton in that one. Um, and the second semi-final? So, so this one was really hard, and I've debated it. Probably this one I found harder. I'm going to say Coventry, and I, I just worry about Borough defensively. Yeah. We've seen, like you mentioned in the Peterborough game tonight, like a team that are good at countering can can score two, three goals. And I just think Coventry could do do it. You then throw in that they're at home first, which they're quite good at. Borough's not great travelling. I'm just going to edge Coventry. But I think this game... It's more likely to be like three, three, two, or four, three over over the uh, two legs. Whereas Lewin will probably be like a one nil, two one, something like that. Um, yeah, I'm going Coventry, but I don't feel confident about either really. <laughs> no. no, which as we've said all along is sort of the beauty of it. Um, I'm going with Middlesbrough. I think I like you say I think it's very close. I think um, I'm I'm just giving them the edge um, based largely on sort of the the attacking talent. But I think they do make yeah. a certain element of a sacrifice defensively um, to aid that attack. And I do think um, I do think it makes a difference since Jones came back into the team. I know we've talked about him quite a lot this season, negatively earlier in the season, more positively recently. Um, but he seems to have come back with a real sort of drive and focus and has been playing really well. And I do think that extra dynamism we've talked about, you know, that they struggled at times in the wide areas with no one who could sort of, you know, beat a man or that sort of thing, which Isaiah Jones very much can. Um, you know, it'd be great if they could get Ramsey back. I think that would that would really make a massive difference. Like if I see, you know, Ramsey in the team on on Sunday, then... Um, I'll feel stronger about picking Middlesbrough, um, but yeah, that's fair. I it's it's a slight lean for them. I just think they'll probably be able, not literally outscore them. I'm not saying it's going to be like seven six on aggregate, but I think that they'll have just enough to to get the job done. I think over the two legs. Um, but as we've said totally prepared to be wrong i don't i don't have any sort of strong feelings about any of these <laughs> predictions which is quite nice but uh it means if people are just going to go on what we predicted in sort of like you know a little bit of a, a concern almost um and when it comes to the final so obviously you've got a luton coventry final i've got a luton middlesbrough final um who do you think wins the final dan so our luton coventry i'm gonna go luton um I've seen them both matches and I think this is it's a good matchup for Luton. Um everything we've said about 
well, I've said about Coventry against Borough, that think that won't happen as much against Lewin, um, the counter attack. Um, and I think I think it it just favours Lewin. I think so. I, I would say Lewin. I don't like saying this, but and I'm, it'll probably come back to buy me. But I'm I'm going to say Lewin. And it's weird because I'm going to say it now. If I think if Lewin played Borough, I think Borough will beat Lewin in, yeah. in the final. And that that's my prediction is to is yeah. Borough to beat Lewin. I think Borough, I I think are probably the best team, um, in terms of quality. Um, I think Luton have obviously played very well and are very good as a collective, but I think in terms of just almost pure quality, I think Borough have the best team, um, and I think that. Has a has a good chance of telling in a one-off game, um, and I I just give them the slight edge in that situation. Um, so so yes, they I, I they they've got a winner piece this season. Obviously, Boroughs did come uh, with Luton having a man sent off, but um, that was after uh, that was at one all I think, but. So they both have a two-one victory apiece this season. Yeah, so. and then there's obviously the uh, dubious yes. Carlton Morris penalty yeah. as well. So. so I do think that you know they're quite closely matched as that shows. Um, I'd give Borough the slight edge. Um... I, I think what 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 is interesting about the second game that Lewin played was, and it was on on Sky, is Lewin really struggled in the first half with. Yeah. Um, not being able to press, but what one thing Edwards did change it, and it worked for the the beginning part of the second half before everyone started making subs and it, it got a bit of a mess. And we did get back in the game and we sc- scored the equaliser, and we obviously got in the position to win the penalty, whether you think it's a penalty or not. So. Yeah, I think I think Luton learned more about that than maybe Borough did against against us. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's also worth saying that was the game where they played sort of House and Bowler at left wing, Bowler yeah. left wing, and you know Matt Crook, Crooks was playing, and you know that sort of thing. So that that's the one slight caveat on that. But we, uh, we did have Sonny Bradley playing yeah, up against but, uh, Archer, though. Um. So yeah, but like like I say, I I don't necessarily have sort of any great conviction about these um so i mean that just adds to the intrigue for me personally is sort of you know that feeling of anything could happen um yeah it's worse for me this year because last year felt like a free hit yeah whereas now it it feels like yeah it's it's funny because sunderland it feels like Sunderland have the free hit. Oh now, yeah. So. yeah, 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 hundred percent. They, they, you know, they weren't in until the final day, sort of, you know, that sort of element. They, and and you know, that sort of, you know, the the young team. You know, I think it's average age of something around twenty two. They yeah. they don't have that. You know, the centre back issue and everything, where it's just sort of like they really have the shot to nothing. Um, here, like it's obviously, you know, you can't say that anybody really has like a true free hit because the reward at the end of it is so massive, but they have the closest thing to it for sure. Um, yeah, which you know, 
it just adds to the sort of danger element with them. Um, so yeah, so um, I'll say in this, uh, you know, let us know what what your predictions are. Um, I'm not interested in you slagging off our predictions, uh, but let us know what your predictions are because uh, I'm interested to see how other people see this as well. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty it's pretty even. Yeah, I'm guessing it'll be. Yeah, um, but I, I Bur- Borough will probably favourites, and yeah. I think they probably are. But um, but I'm I'm interested to see what people think. So uh, do let us know, sort of, um, particularly when in reply to. Uh, when the podcast is tweeted out, just just let us know uh, what you're thinking in that regard, because I'm I'm very interested to know. Um, apart from that, we will be back with you at some point. Um, this is sort of the point where it becomes a little bit more made up in terms of the schedule, <laughs> um, but we will be back with you at some point. Um, We've got to do the proper season review. Yes, we will. We will have a season review um, where we will look back. We will we will both look back at our pre-season predictions and give out some awards which um i i know everyone everyone enjoys doing um <laughs> and and sort of you know complaining about people's awards and everything so uh so we'll be doing that at some point we might have something between the playoff semis and the playoff final it just depends how it falls um and you know how much we want to talk about it and everything but uh We'll if lose, if, lose, I won't be doing it. Yeah, if not, we'll certainly be back afterwards with um with with our season review. Um, so at the very least, you'll have that from us. Um, and then we'll sort of you know work out what we're going to do. But yeah, so we'll be back with you at some point. Um, and yeah, apart from that, it just leaves me to say uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, no!